You're going to love this. Just love it. in the middle with you live at Los Angeles KPFK Pacifica Radio 90.7 FM in Los Angeles 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara 93.7 FM in San Diego 99.5 FM Ridgecrest in China Lake California 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast and of course, coast to coast and around the globe, five days a week on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes, on Progressive Voices, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation Network, and many, many more, including now RadioOrNot.com and Radio Sputnik. You heard me right. Five days a week. Delighted we've got a bunch of new affiliates uh, tuning in today. Glad you can be here uh, with us. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Yes, we are on uh, five days a week now. I'll get to uh, information on that for our KPFK listeners. Uh, Bernie Sanders is also getting... He, Bernie Sanders is getting in. Oh, let the fun begin. Now it's going to get fun. More on that in a moment and on Baltimore. But this is... We'll just... Uh, for now, we'll call this Wild Wild Wednesdays. Should we call it? Well, uh, Des, what do you think? Yeah? Uh, maybe? All right. Uh, it, when it's Wild Wild Wednesday, Wednesdays, that means you can call up and you can talk back to me. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-985. KPFK, we will crack open the phone lines. Uh, And as I say, the broadcast is now heard five days a week. You can, uh, for those folks who are uh, listening on KPFK, uh, you should know when we are not on live on Wednesdays, you can find us over at the KPFK archives every day right around this time at kpfk.org. Stop on by the archives. You can download every single show. Every single broadcast and five five days a week is just like the weekly broadcast, except there's more of it. Uh, you can also uh, log in, uh, subscribe via iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and so forth. So don't miss one single solitary exciting episode. Uh, and the one thing you do get on the uh, additional on the daily broadcast, you get more Desi Doyen. And I know that everybody uh, was always telling me, shut up, Brad, so that Desi can right. I know Buzz, my engineer, is giving me the thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, Des, is your is your mic even on? Yes, it's See? on now. Am I, I was too busy you? laughing. Your no, face is that all was red. Okay. <laughs> I'm blushing. All right. Thank you. Yes, more Desi. I'm I'm a big fan of that too. Yeah, more Desi. But listen anyway, five days a week. Uh, for example, uh, earlier this week we had legendary Pentagon Papers whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg. 
uh, on uh, to discuss the Petraeus, the slap on the wrist, really, that was given to General Petraeus, the CIA director, uh, after he exposed hugely classified details to his lover slash biographer. Uh, Ellsberg was talking to us from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., after a, a press conference with a bunch of other whistleblowers, national security whistleblowers, concerning uh, Obama's war on whistleblowers and, frankly, the disparity between the punishment that so many of those whistleblowers got as compared to Petraeus, who got off with, like, nothing. No jail time, no nothing, as opposed to actual whistleblowers who leak to journalists in hope of exposing uh, wrongdoing. (sighs) Anyway, uh, it's a great interview. I I took the interview, I took the opportunity actually to thank Dan at that point for his 45 years of fighting for democracy, because it's been uh, since 1971, so 44 years since he released the Pentagon Papers, could have gone to jail for decades fought all the way to the Supreme Court to get that released uh, at the uh, at the New York Times. Uh, and it was curious at the end, because I had mentioned this and sort of thanked him for doing this, for still fighting all of these years later. He's, he's no young man anymore. Uh, and, and he said that, curiously, very few in the media had actually bothered uh, to thank him for that, which was kind of surprising. And then he was kind enough to return the compliment to me, which I appreciate, Dan. Thank you. But uh, more importantly, he went on. Uh, he, he knows what we do at bradblog.com. He's even uh, a guest blog there once or twice over the past decade or so. Um, and he went on to a call for whistleblowers. That's his thing, whistleblowers. He went on uh, to call for whistleblowers to step forward in the elections industry. Here's a clip from that. I've been talking about the erosion and the dangers to our democracy. You, Brad, for years now, I've been following you uh, and the work you've done on the effect of election rigging, uh, the election machine question, and the question of uh, uh, defrauding, really, us on on, uh, the whole election process. That's another threat to our democracy. And by the way, we could use a lot of whistleblowing on that, not only within the government, but from places like these election machine corporations Mm -hmm. uh, that do it. I would like to hear some people telling the truth from in there and confirming that what Brad Friedman has been saying about the dangers to our process are absolutely right. So thank you for doing what you've been doing. That was a clip from uh, my interview earlier this week with Daniel Ellsberg. So you hear that, whistleblowers in the election industry? Get in touch with me. Legendary whistleblower Dan uh, Ellsberg instructs you to. Uh, you can drop me a line, whistleblowers. I am now bradcast at bradblog.com. Uh, we also spoke uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was, losing track, uh, with, the, with the gyrocopter guy, Doug Hughes. Remember him? He's a 61-year-old U.S. postal worker who uh, was arrested after landing his gyrocopter on the lawn of the U.S. Capitol a week or two ago. It got a lot of attention in the media, uh, but his call for what he described as a nonpartisan, this is what he described it to me, a nonpartisan groundswell voter rebellion against what he described as the orgy of spending in elections following the Citizens United decision, that got a lot less attention. Everyone freaked out about the gyrocopter, And uh, didn't talk about his message. He was intending to deliver letters to 535 members of Congress calling on them to uh, to take action to reform our corrupt, obscene. Well, as he called it, orgy of spending in our campaign uh, uh, finance system. 
So we focused on that in my conversation with Doug Hughes. You can get that also, kpfk.org. Uh, really interesting conversation. Interesting fellow uh, U.S. postal worker. And you can uh, find out if you saw it, if you saw his gyrocopter, it had a, a postal logo on the back. Um, that was, uh, I asked him whether that was a sanctioned, that gyrocopter that he built from scratch, whether that was a sanctioned USPS uh, mail delivery vehicle. You'll have to tune in to find out what his answer is. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. 818-985-5735 on any of that and much more that I'm going to get to in a second. But these are your airwaves. These are your public airwaves. As I like to say, use them before you lose them more than you already have. And by the way, coming up uh, later this week on Bradcast, uh, Congressman Grayson, I think, is joining. Alan Grayson, I think, is joining us tomorrow. Uh, And the guy who punked the right-wing media concerning Harry Reid and uh, a story that he made up about how Harry Reid hurt his eye. Uh, on New Year's Day. And, of course, the right-wing media ran with it. Rush Limbaugh ran with it. Because <sighs> they'll run with anything. They don't do fact-checking. They have a pretend world, this right-wing world. They have built it. We have watched it being built over the past uh, decade as guys like uh, James O'Keefe and Andrew Breitbart and uh, Matt Drudge just make up news out of uh, whole cloth sometimes. And that's what happened here. Uh, So that'll be available uh, as we move forward. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Uh, Okay, Bernie Sanders is running for president, says AP. Um, Sanders will announce his plans to seek the Democratic nomination for president on Thursday, presenting a liberal challenge to Hillary Rodham Clinton, as AP describes it. Sanders, an independent who describes himself as, quote, a Democratic socialist, Bum, bum, bum. We should we should have that stinger next time we say the word socialist, Desi. Write that down. Uh, he will uh, follow um, will follow a formal announce a formal statement with a major campaign kickoff in his home state in several weeks. Two people people familiar with his announcement spoke to the AP under conditions of anonymity to describe internal planning. Sanders will become the second major Democrat in the race. Who else is in the race so far? That's Sanders will be two. Who's the first? I'm not ringing a bell. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton. Uh, he has urged the former secretary of state to speak out strongly about issues related to income inequality and climate change. The former first lady and New York senator is viewed as a heavy favorite in the Democratic primary and formally entered the race earlier this month. The white-haired senator and former mayor of Burlington, Vermont, has been a liberal firebrand, according to AP, blasting the concentration of wealth in America and assailing a billionaire class that he says has taken over politics. He says it, of course, because he's correct. It has. Thank God somebody's saying it. In recent weeks, Sanders has been a forceful forceful critic of the proposed Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement, which would eliminate tariffs and other trade barriers for the U.S., Canada, and Asian countries, conducting commerce with each other. He recently said one of the key reasons why the middle class in America continues to decline and the gap between the very rich and everyone else is growing wider is because of disastrous trade agreements, which have sent millions of decent paying jobs to China and other low wage countries. He's called for universal health care, massive infrastructure jobs 
and uh, building program and a more progressive tax structure, all of which, before he's even gotten into the race, all of which, just the possibility that he might have, have gotten into the race, uh, seems to be pushing Hillary to what we will call the left a little bit. So that's got to be good news, I think. What do you think? Is that good news? 818-985-5735. Where are we here? What do I want to get to before we get to the phones? Um, Speaking of Hillary Clinton, uh, she had a, a, a major address today on prison reform. Actually, speaking of Hillary Clinton and moving to the left, although this is not really to the left, because you got a lot of folks on the right now who are jumping in uh, in regard to our our obscene uh, prison system and the explosion of uh, millions of Americans thrown in jail. Hillary Clinton came out and spoke about what's going on in Baltimore. Uh, here's a, a few th- uh, words of what she had to say. She said, from Ferguson to Staten Island to Baltimore, the patterns have become unmistakable and undeniable. Walter Scott shot in the back in Charleston, South Carolina, unarmed, in debt, and terrified of spending more time in jail for child support payments he couldn't afford. Tamir Rice shot in a park in Cleveland, Ohio, unarmed and just 12 years old. Eric Garner choked to death after being stopped for selling cigarettes on the streets of this city. And now Freddie Gray, his spine nearly severed while in police custody. Hillary Clinton says we have to come to terms with some hard truths about race and justice in America. There is something profoundly wrong when African-American men are still more likely to be stopped and searched by police charged with crimes, sentenced to longer prison terms than are meted out to their white counterparts. There is something wrong when a third of all black men face the prospect of prison during their lifetimes. A third of all black men face the prospect of prison during their lifetimes. And an estimated 1.5 million black men are missing from their families and communities because of incarceration and premature death. There's something wrong when more than one out of every three young black men in Baltimore can't find a job. There is something wrong when trust between law enforcement and the communities they serve breaks down. As far as it has in many of our communities, we have allowed our criminal justice system to get out of balance. And these recent tragedies should galvanize us to come together as a nation to find our balance again. Uh, much more from her speech uh, today, just hours ago at the, uh, I believe it was at Columbia in New York. Um, she's saying the right things. <laughs> Does she mean it? I will say this, uh, and uh, I want to get your calls on this as well. Uh, actually, m- m- most directly on this. I-, I talked a little bit about this with Doug Hughes yesterday, the guy who flew the gyrocopter in. It seems to me that uh, something extraordinary needs to happen before the media notices protests anymore. I mean, Citizens United was already years ago. It took a guy flying into the U.S. Capitol with a gyrocopter for anybody to, to you know, start talking about it in the mainstream media. And even then they didn't. They just talked about the gyrocopter. Some did. Um the Freddie Gray uh, tragedy in Baltimore, they've been protesting for a week peacefully. And no one was talking about it, at least no one outside of Baltimore. And then some violence happened over the weekend. Uh, and now the president's talking about it. Hillary Clinton uh, is talking about it. The national media is talking about it. 
I'm a strong believer in nonviolence, but I uh, have to wonder, uh, do protests, do peaceful protests work anymore? Now, I'm not calling for violence. I have to keep repeating that, I think. But I, I, I'm just, I, to be honest, I'm quite troubled by this. I'm quite troubled by, you know, the idea that a protest, uh, when you get permission from the police, when you stand politely in your free speech zone, that that's fine, that your protest is fine, so long as you don't disrupt anybody else. You know, God forbid you should stop traffic uh, with your protest. Uh, then it's it's outrageous. But you know what? That's when people notice. So I'm I'm kind of disturbed by that because uh, I am a, a big believer in nonviolence. Um, but I don't think we would be talking about this story today or this whole week uh, had things not blown up out there. And I'm bothered by that. And I don't think that the president of the United States, frankly, would have been talking about this uh, at all. Uh, had there not been this kind of violence. I mean, hell, they were all at the White House Correspondents' Dinner over the weekend as this was going on. Thousands of uh, so-called journalists from uh, the United States were all in this room, and about half an hour away in Baltimore, all hell was breaking loose, and they weren't covering it. The good news, I guess, at least uh, in the response, is the people of Baltimore have stood up against what's going on, uh, against the violence. And you get comments like this from President Barack Obama uh, in the White House Rose Garden yesterday. This is not new. It's been going on for decades. And without making any excuses for criminal activities that take place in this community, what we also know is that if you have impoverished communities, that have been stripped away of opportunity, where children are born uh, into abject poverty, communities that where there's no investment and manufacturing has been stripped away, and drugs have flooded the community, and the drug industry ends up being the primary employer for a whole lot of folks. In those environments, if we think that we're just going to send uh, the police to do the dirty work of containing the problems that arise there without, as a nation and as a society, saying what can we do to change those communities, to help lift up those communities and, and give those kids opportunity, then we're not going to solve this problem. And we'll go through the same cycles of periodic conflicts between the police and communities and the occasional riots in the streets. And everybody will feign concern until it goes away, and then we go about our business as usual. He's right. This is not new. Uh, but after the riots fade, people stop talking about it. So uh, I think we need to continue talking about it. 818-985-5735. Uh, is our phone number. Should we take, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. The phone lines are filling up like crazy and I want to get to uh, to as many of them as I can today. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman and this is your Bradcast. <laughs>
standing up at the gates of hell right here at KPFK Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles live. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Your calls at 818-985-KPFK momentarily. But before I get to them, very quickly, this uh, this uh, kind of remarkable uh, op-ed that I want to read you the first two paragraphs of. Uh, at the moment, what's going on in Baltimore seems to be all about Freddie Gray, the 25-year-old black man who was viciously attacked by police officers on April 12, more or less because he looked at them. They subdued him, his spine was nearly severed, his voice box was smashed, and he was hauled off in a police van even after he requested medical attention multiple times. He died a week later as a result. But it is not only about Freddie Gray. Like him, says D. Watkins, the writer here, like him, I grew up in Baltimore, and I and everyone I know have similar stories, even if they happened to end a little differently. To us... The Baltimore Police Department is a group of terrorists funded by our tax dollars who beat on people in our community daily, almost never having to explain or pay for their actions. It's gotten to the point that we don't call cops unless we need a police report for an insurance claim. I'd like to think that if I broke a person's neck for no reason, I'd be charged in minutes. But the system, even when it's run by a black mayor and a black commissioner, even when a majority of the city council is black, protects the police no matter how blatant and brutal they are. So this is an op-ed calling the police department terrorists. So what uh, fringe uh, alt-weekly was this published in? This is the New York Times. This is the New York Times yesterday describing the Baltimore police as a group of terrorists, at least this writer, D. Watkins, who grew up in Baltimore. Yeah, maybe it is that bad. Uh, the examples that D. Watkins gives are pretty amazing. I won't go through them, but uh, he makes the case very well. 818-985-5735. All right, we're going to get to as many calls as we can here as quickly as possible. Uh, is this uh, Mimi Ka- let me go to Mimi Kennedy. Is this, um, let's see, is this, the, is this board chair of uh, Progressive Democrats of America and beloved star of Dharma and Greg, Mimi Kennedy? Yeah, but now mom. But yeah, it is. Oh, mom. Yeah, That's right. Now mom. Uh, well, <laughs> we should say the show named mom. Right. Right. And okay. this is the daily broadcast. Brad, Brad, yeah. you're sounding so good and so energized. And it's really exciting that you're on every day, that Bernie is in the race. Yeah, it's going to be fun, but also inspiring and motivating. We're going to be cheering if the media actually lets them say anything and quotes it or, or runs the clip. Now, and you, P- PDA, uh, Progressive Democrats of America, you guys have long been calling for Bernie Sanders to jump into the race. You must be delighted. Have you officially un- uh, endorsed Bernie Sanders at this point, uh, well, PDA, we, or just called uh, for him to we, get in? Yeah, well, no, no. We've had a... Uh, We've had a Run, Bernie, Run campaign going as our essential theme since a year ago when I presented him with 10,000 signatures early on. Run as a Democrat, we were saying, don't be a spoiler. Don't throw us through that third-party stuff, because that is a lot of work that gets you nowhere right now. Oh, that's right. But, I guess uh, he, has to beca- he has to join the Democratic Party at this point, right? He's, a, yeah. he's an independent. Yeah, and that okay. was kind of hard for him. He yeah. had to really think about that. But he's been caucusing with the Democrats, and he's going to make it all an honest debate if, as I say, the mainstream media gets them in. I have to say a couple of other things. You said, well, Rush Limbaugh is running with something. I forget what story, and I wanted to go, no, Rush Limbaugh can't run. 
like literally <laughs> physically. Oh, man. So you're making a, a fat joke about uh, Rush Limbaugh. I see. And the other thing about language is, you know, Hillary's speech, it was interesting. Yeah. Yep, she's saying the right thing. But she said the word should. We should get together as Americans. And I'm like, who's she talking to? A lot of us have been there for 10 years. I'm from Rochester, New York. We had the first riot mm-hmm. in 64 before Watts, before Detroit, because we were so segregated. Solinsky had to come and help with power sharing. You're from Missouri. We know this stuff. It's like, what do you mean? No, something is wrong. If, yes, something has been wrong for a long time. And it's policy being is failing us. And John Vayner's probably getting drunk in his office right now going, I don't know what to do. Or, you know, <laughs> recreate a Trans-Pacific Partnership again? You're kidding me. Well, let me, let me, let, let me say this, Mamie, and only because I, I want to get to a lot of callers here. Uh, to, to her credit... Uh, read her whole speech because she actually does put forward a positive, uh, progressive agenda. And it's one that, frankly, I think a lot of folks on the right uh, will perhaps join in with guys like uh, Rand Paul and and some of these other. So I'm not unhappy about it. I'm not unhappy about it. Okay. Once again, I want Hillary to also address not only the people she's rallying, but it's, it's it's nice to have a nod that people also in her party have been working, know something strong for a long yep. time. Like, that's all I want. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And now she's saying stuff that guys like uh, Bernie Sanders have been saying for years. But that you know what? Great. If that's what it takes, I'll take it. Uh, and Mimi, thanks for all that you do and for PDA's uh, Run Bernie Run campaign. It worked. Congratulations, yeah. Mimi. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> thanks, Mimi. All right, let me uh, let me get to uh, Van in Los Alamos. There we go. Hey, Van, welcome to the broadcast. Well, it's Los Alamitos, but at any rate... Oh, yes, Los Alamitos, thank you. No difference. But, by the way, uh, there's an old saying, you can't serve two masters. Now, we know who the masters are for Bernie. That's the people. And the money, well, who? where did Hillary get her money? Mm-hmm. And that's the master. Yeah, good point. That's the whole point. And and she's got a lot of it. And uh, thank you uh, for mentioning that, Van. And something needs to be done. I hope to talk to Congressman Grayson uh, about that tomorrow. we got to get the money the hell out of politics. And I don't even know how that begins. I don't even know how to make that happen. Maybe it takes that uh, spontaneous voter rebellion that Doug Hughes was was calling for when he flew into the Capitol grounds and was ignored. Uh, his message was ignored. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Alice in Santa Monica. Hey, Alice, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, thank you. I have two quick comments to make. First of all, I will be voting for Bernie Sanders because I don't trust Hillary Clinton. I think she's being portrayed, and I think it's a strategy to win the primary. I don't trust her, nor do I trust the Clinton legacy that they, you know, of welfare in 1996. NAFTA and revocation of Glass-Steagall. Now, I'd like to also say that as far as I take great offense, and it hurts me personally, mm-hmm. when I hear our own president referring to the people in Baltimore as thugs. Mm. And the reason I do mm-hmm. is because many of these cops, these cops are thugs themselves. They are no less than a gang in blue. And I find it very offensive. I think the real thugs, they are the ones who precipitated this. 
I once had a knee, I was once falsely arrested at my home. So it was paid off. But the fact of the matter, I was knee in the neck. Imagine, imagine having your spine almost decapitated at the neck with the weight of a knee such as that man and the pain. I saw that video and all I could do is feel the pain and cry for that poor 25-year-old man. I hear you. Thanks for that call and thanks for those uh, thoughts, Alice. Yeah, I'm... uh... I'm troubled by, and I should note that the uh, African-American mayor of uh, Baltimore also used the word thugs to describe uh, folks. And and I think, to be fair, I think they were talking about the people who had gotten violent, the protesters who had gotten violent. Uh, I think she's since walked that back. She's apologized for that. I heard the president, Barack Obama, do the same thing, call them thugs. It troubles me uh, not because— you know, what the cops did or didn't do, but it troubles me because uh, it's used largely on the right as a code word for a word they can't say in polite company anymore. And that's when uh, folks on the right use it. So I don't use it because uh, it, it, it feeds into that narrative. 818-985-5735. This is the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Let's go to uh, Bill. There we go. Bill in Lake Elsinore. Welcome to the broadcast, Bill. Thank you very much, Brad. Sure. Very quickly, um, American political demographics is all surrounded around the television. They all go to the television set for their information, which is uh, where Hillary is one of the media darlings with her um, unlimited funding. And I hope Bernie Sanders won't be such a you know uh, easy target for the media. You seem to outright sneer, Bill, when you say the word Hillary. Am I reading that correctly? Absolutely, the Clinton <laughs> dynasty. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Just the, the same reason why Baltimore is all of a sudden popular is because they want to see what Bill Maher would call disaster porn, spectacle, television spectacle, and that's where the voting public goes to get information. Yeah, later. but Bill, if it wasn't for that disaster porn, would they even be following what's going on in Baltimore at all? Would they be ignoring it the way they had uh, for the week earlier when there was perfectly peaceful protests going on? Absolutely. They're masters of manipulation, the current media structure. Okay. We all know this. This goes back as far as Reagan. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to uh, Roy. Roy in Los Angeles. Hey, Roy, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Thank you very much. Listen, I'm going to get right to the point. We want to, they want to know why the policemen are so messed up and corrupt. you got to remember, after the Confederate wall... The, when the South lost, mm-hmm. the South put on their white sheet and their pillowcase. They were killing blacks and whites so strenuous across them, that South mm-hmm. and, and into the North that the North Grant had to pick up arms again, threatening the South. And all of the Confederates, when they took off the Klang suit, when they took that white sheet off, they put on blue uniforms. How could you expect them to have a culture when they started killing, came from killing, and, and now they went back to killing? That is impossible. And people know this. I'm quite sure you're familiar with the Confederate War mm-hmm. and where the soldiers went to. Yeah. So now here we are in the midst of a time where culture should have had then changed the whole division of the Justice Department, and they keep the same people in the same line. I'm out of New York. I remember the King Cole trio. Have you heard of them? The the who? Which trio? 
the K-Core Trio. They had three blacks uh-huh. and one white sergeant. If you ever ran into them during the 60s, the 50s and the 60s, you got hurt. You got seriously hurt. That's, That's a fact. Uh, Someone will call in and sanction it. All right. Uh, thank you, Roy. I, I appreciate your thoughts. And, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm troubled, but i got to tell you, you've got uh, a black president. You've got a black mayor. You've got a black city council in, uh, uh, in Baltimore. Uh, and yet we still have the same endemic problem, it seems. Um, and I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. And, and uh, uh, But I'll tell you this. I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we're talking about it. We've spent decades not talking about it or pretending it doesn't exist. Maybe people start, are starting to notice that it, uh, yeah, it does. Let me go to... Uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Gigi in Pasadena. Hey, Gigi, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, hi, Brad. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great, Gigi. Okay. I want to just really... Is that is that your real name, by the way, Gigi? No, I'm okay. a grandmother, so it stands for Grand Grand. I see. Okay, Grand Grand. What's on your mind? Okay, well, first of all, um, where it, it starts, and I think we all need to, to know uh, how things begin, um, there is a book called The Half That's Never Been Told by Edward Baptist. He's been on, um, you know, KPFK. That's where I get all my news and information. You guys are just phenomenal. Um, and he, uh, it really, what, what, with the police force, it harkens back to when um, everybody was, flooding in here. Of course, uh, the slaves were brought against the will, but the Irish and uh, the Italians and so forth and so on, they came looking for a better life. Well, actually, in the early 1900s, they were all thrown in together and all picked upon by the elites um, as one of the same, the lower class and a lot of other, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, names that they were called and titles. And anyway, they intermixed and intermarried and so forth and so on. I am a, pro- uh, a byproduct of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know of what I speak. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the, the book is called, you say, The the Hack That Never's Been no, Told? The Half, H-A-L. Oh, The Half. Yeah, The Half That's Never Been Told. That's okay. By Edward Baptist. Okay, so okay. anyway, fast-forwarding quickly, because I know you're busy. I am. Fast-forward quick, quickly. Um, what happened was the elites, like, you know, they're recognizing now they've got a different strategy, but back then it's like, wait a minute, all these people, they're all intermixing and intermingling, and we're keeping them, you know, down to false and blah, blah, blah. One day they're going to, you know, get to really uh, figure it out. So what they did is they went to my great, great uncles and cousins and things um, and said to them, you know what, you guys, and these are just the Italians, and... Um, um, the Irish things, you know what? You're, you know, I don't know the, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. They made them understand mm-hmm. that they were going to raise them up. You're better than, you know. It's just those real dark ones, probably, and then the Native Americans. You got to, you know. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, create this whole system where you're going to be over them. And hence was born the police um, force, the fire department, and that is why you have generation after generation after generation. They were actually the overseers of the North. 
and to keep everybody else in line and in control. Mm. Now, they're not about to, A, give that position up. I mean, they're never going to make it up to the top, but they're just content, as Mr. Baptist says, they get to come to the parade, sit on the sidelines, wave at all the wealthy people on the float, and then turn around and make sure that nobody else in the crowd um, really, uh, you know, um, yeah. there, that there are no revolts and so forth and so on. This, yeah. this is part of uh, of this history. We're steeped in it, and, when I, and I'm going to go, but when they say things like police need to get better trained, oh, they know what they're doing quite well, and they're really fighting for their place they're pecking order. They're not about to give it up. I'll let you go because I know you're busy, but I just thought I wanted to give that back. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, background, uh, Gigi, and uh, the book is The uh, the Half That's Never Been Told. Thanks, yeah, Graham. Graham, I appreciate that call. And I should say that, you know, it, it's so interesting because every time something like this happens, they say, oh, it's a problem that's isolated to Ferguson. Oh, it's a problem that's isolated to Baltimore. Oh, it's a problem that's, oh, it's only on Staten Island where this happens. This happens everywhere in this country. Out here today, AP, Los Angeles County, settles civil rights cases, civil rights case with the Justice Department. Uh, They have agreed, uh, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors in a four-to-one vote has agreed that the uh, nation's largest sheriff department uh, must pay a sweeping settlement Uh, over longstanding civil rights abuses by deputies in the Mojave Desert. This is the L.A. County Sheriff. Uh, Deputies harassed and intimidated blacks and others in public housing showing up for inspections, as many as nine officers, sometimes with guns drawn, the Justice Department said in its June 2013 report. Under the agreement, the Sheriff's Department admitted no wrongdoing, of course, But they agreed to be monitored by three outside experts, must meet 150 requirements over the next four years, and agreed to pay $700,000 to residents who were harmed by alleged, alleged violations of the Fair Housing Act. The agreement is the second major settlement in less than six months since Sheriff Jim McDonald took uh, took office and promised to reform the scandal-plagued L.A. County Sheriff's Office. In December, supervisors approved a settlement requiring federal court oversight and a new use of force policy in a class action lawsuit brought by jail inmates who claimed they were savagely beaten by guards. Former Sheriff Lee Baca abruptly stepped down last year after 18 deputies, 18 deputies were charged with federal crimes ranging from beating inmates and jail visitors to obstructing justice. This is out here in, oh, you know. Blue, liberal-loving Los Angeles County. And this comes a week or so after the announcement that uh, the city of Los Angeles agreed to a $2.5 million settlement following the behavior of uh, Los Angeles police, Los Angeles City police, I guess, uh, during the Occupy, during the Occupy L.A. uh, uh, protests a couple years ago. And these were the ones that the mainstream uh, national media reported as peacefully broken up by the police. No, they weren't peaceful at all. Demonstrators were thrown onto bus, were kept there for uh, overnight, handcuffed without water, uh, without food, without medicine. Some were forced to urinate and defecate on themselves. So a two and a half million dollar settlement there. Three million dollars, I think it is, over the last uh, three years in Baltimore. Uh, settlements that the cops paid out after beating the crap out of people, innocent people, and, uh, you know, having to pay up. 
having to pay up for it. But that happens years that happens years down the road for those people who are lucky enough to be able to afford, uh, you know, attorneys to, uh, to, to afford to go to court. It shouldn't happen in the first place, but it does. And it happens all over this country. Uh, okay, I know we got a lot of people on the phone lines. Let me get to as many of you as I can. And Desi Doyen, uh, stand, uh, you're on deck with uh, the Green News Report coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, let me go to Eddie in downtown Los Angeles. Hey, Eddie, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. I'm a first-time caller. And uh, it's interesting, you were just mentioning about the Sheriff's Department. I'm going to uh, a town hall meeting tomorrow where uh, Sheriff Jim McDonald is going to be with the uh, L.A. Authentic Police Department Chief Bill Scott. And a couple of um, lawyers as well, and some lay people from the faith-based community. Look, I'm gonna get to this real quick. Uh, we're talking about the situation that that has been endemic and systemic in this country for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Emmett Till, but back in mm-hmm. the 60s, I think it was. Oh yeah. He was a 14-year-old youth that was uh, purportedly was whistling at a, a car. Whistled case. at a white lady. Yes. 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 But here's the thing. His mother said he suffered. Uh, violently from a stuttering problem, so he, he often whistled just to get his composure. But I want to go on from there. Right, and he was it, murdered. It, Let's just make that uh, yeah, clear. He yeah, murdered. he was murdered. Yeah, go ahead. Horrendously murdered. Yep. Uh, but, but secondly, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. In some years back, uh, the police department, notoriously 13 precinct, when they would arrest individuals, they would also uh, shock them with a cattle prod, something that you would shock cattle with. Mm. But we have a history in this country that we would not even consider uh, human human beings. We would consider three strips of human human beings. So when people start talking about using those terminology of animals, it is something that's been endemic in this system for many, many years. And lastly, let me just say this. On Monday, in my hometown of Detroit, there was a task force that went into a gentleman's house by, by the name of Terrence Kellum. I think he was 19 years old. Uh, they went in and they killed him. They shot him in front of his dad. And the last mm-hmm. words he called to his father, it was daddy. So those things are happening yesterday, yep. today, and they're going to continue to happen. Because one thing about it, a lot of people are not, I've been in a lot of protests in the last couple couple of months with Black Lives Matter and a couple of other organizations. And for a lot of people, they can turn off the TV and they can insulate themselves. Uh, but for us, we live in this on a day-to-day basis. Listen, thanks a lot, Brad, for doing what you're doing. And thank you for being a positive voice. And I'll be listening to you more and more. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your uh, uh, the point you're making there. It needs to be said and it needs to be heard. And it's not heard enough. And, you know, Freddie Gray, Freddie Gray is just one guy. I mean, this is, you know, this happens to hundreds of people. Again, read that. Go go to go go to The New York Times. Read the uh, op ed from D. Watkins in Baltimore. We're all Freddie Gray. And, I mean, this just happens everywhere in this country over and over again. And we can't, you know, keep acting like, oh, this is a freak accident that happened with Freddie Gray. There's a freak accident that happened with Michael Brown, with Eric Garner, with Tamir Rice. And those are just the names that I happen to know because they made it into the uh, into the national media. <sighs> All right. Um, all right. Very quickly, uh, let me uh, take one more and then we'll get to a break. Arlene in Valley Village. Hey, Arlene, welcome to the broadcast. Yes. Hi. Thank you. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I feel like what we're seeing in uh, Baltimore is the same thing. I mean, that's been going on. The woman mentioned, uh, you know, Bill Clinton, the aid being taken away from dependent families. 
And I just see these uh, people that have been thrown away by society and lack of opportunity and lack of programs to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if people are succeeding in life, they don't want to be out breaking windows. And so, and, and the police, like Charlie Beck here, he rides around on his white horse in the parades. Uh, but we've killed so many innocent people in the city of Los Angeles. Um, so that's all. Yeah. Thank you, Arlene. I, uh, I appreciate that call and that thought. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. And if we have uh, time, more of your calls. I know a lot of you are hanging on the air. A lot of you want to talk about this. I do understand. We're going to try to get to as many as we can, if we can. A quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. A lot of melting, not a lot of stopping of the world, Desi Doyen, our, our <laughs> producer, true. Desi Doyen, the co-host of the Green News Report. Uh, we're already pushing 90 degrees here today. Uh, yes, Los we Angeles. are. And I don't know that it's going to be a record, but boy, it sure is pushing uh, it. I think it is a record. Uh, all right. Let's uh, if you're hanging on the line, if you want to talk, we'll see if we have uh, time to get back to you. As soon as uh, we have to do, uh, I think we have to get to our latest Green News report. Yeah, oh, by the to. way, uh, you can uh, also tweet us, I should have said, at the Brad blog. I know some folks have been tweeting there, and I keep forgetting to give out my Twitter because I watch it all the time, but I forget to let everyone know. All right, let's get to it. Our latest uh, Green News report. As more and more people are fleeing their homes to set up camp outside, you can see how they're living in temporary accommodation, using anything they can to find some kind of protection. Devastation in Nepal after massive earthquake. March 2015, the hottest March on record. Sardines crash in the Pacific, plus... They're seeing hotter temperatures. They're seeing longer droughts. They are seeing the impacts of the changing climate. Fighting climate change with the power of poo. All of those fights and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. California is bone dry. It looked like a trailer for the new Mad Max movie up in there. Yep, it do. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, we're out here in California, out here in Los Angeles. It do look like a Mad Max movie. It is bone dry at this time, and we're in, where are we, April at this point, and it's already hitting 90 degrees again. It's unbelievable what's going on, and there seems to be no relief in sight. And it's not your imagination, but we'll have more about that in just a moment. Well, I know it's not my imagination. It's hot. (laughs) But first, international rescue and relief efforts continue amid widespread devastation in Nepal, where a massive 7.8 earthquake and multiple large aftershocks hit near the capital city of Kathmandu on Saturday. More than 5,000 now confirmed dead, 6 to 7,000 injured. The aftershocks are complicating rescue and relief efforts, reports BBC correspondent Justin Rowlett in the middle of an aftershock. The, the earth is trembling again now, and the earth is, is really moving now. As you can see, everyone's running through the streets. It's actually quite hard to balance. Looking up at the buildings, 
worried that the buildings will fall again because, of course, it's not actually the, the earthquakes that kill. Well, it's the falling buildings. And that is exactly what earthquake experts warned about in Kathmandu just last week. They were there for a meeting to help the government prepare for this very scenario, warning of the massive risk created by the combination of rapid urban growth and weak-to-no building codes. But time was not on their side. And resilient infrastructure is a hedge against the impact of natural disasters like floods and earthquakes, and that can tip entire countries into destabilization. So this is something that had been warned about yes. for a long time and, and nothing was done. They expected this to happen and failed to take action. Sounds disturbingly familiar, I'm sorry to say. Meanwhile, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has announced that March 2015 was officially the hottest March on record globally. But it was even hotter in California. The first three months of this year... See, I told you it was hot in California. (laughs) I knew that in advance. That's right. The first three months of this year in California, the average temperature was over 7 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than average, beating last year's record by 2 degrees and intensifying California's historic drought. And now... Now that drought has spread to Washington state. Washington Governor Jay Inslee has declared an official drought emergency for nearly half of Washington. I'll tell you what, all you climate change deniers out there, you deny to your heart's content. Wait until the drought comes to you because it's coming. It's coming across the country. Uh, If the scientists are right about this, this could be a mega drought. It starts here in California, but it is spreading. Just saying. Now, we've reported previously on the epidemic of starving baby sea lions washing up on West Coast beaches, and now we know why. Populations of their primary food source, sardines, have crashed more than 90% in just seven years. That's due to overfishing and shifting ocean conditions. U.S. regulators finally listened to fisheries biologists and have canceled this year's commercial fishing season for sardines to give the species a chance to recover. Meanwhile, severe weather costs the U.S. economy as much as $33 billion a year in damages. And now the U.S. Department of Agriculture is launching a broad new initiative to help farmers and ranchers build resilience and fight climate change. In a telephone press conference, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said farmers are already feeling the impacts of global warming. They're seeing hotter temperatures. They're seeing longer droughts. They're seeing more frequent floods. They are seeing the impacts of a changing climate, and they understand and appreciate the need to adapt and mitigate. Now, one big part of this broad new initiative will harness the power of poo, specifically helping farmers to build biodigesters. These are tanks that capture methane from the millions of gallons of manure generated every day by U.S. herds, and that can be burned to generate electricity and income for the farms. It's part of a whole new broad comprehensive plan that will cut emissions and help farmers, ranchers, and Forest managers earn money. Yeah, but you're covering it because it's a story about poo, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. You love these poo stories. I don't know why. For much more on that story and the ones we couldn't get to, or I refuse to get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you, Desi Doyan. 
I just want to say that was Desi who uh, came up with that closing music for the Green News Report. Well done, Desi Doyen. Uh, we have another minute or two. We, we, I think we can get in another quick call uh, or two here. Let me go very quickly to uh, Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, greetings from the hood, Brad. You know, the article written in the L.A. Times was spot on. If you went to the average Af- African-American and you said, uh, said the names Al-Qaeda, Al-Nestro, Communists, uh, ISIS, FBI, police, which one of these represents a terrorist organization to your community? It'd be hands down the FBI, Black Panthers, and the police, particularly with their asset forfeiture. Now, what folks have to understand is police are the henchmen for the pr- uh, prison industrial complex, which, of course, is Wall Street. Hillary's going to have a problem with that. And the founding fathers... They never would have envisioned that the media could be bought. They always looked at the media as being a thorn in the side, spies from the government. But they never would have envisioned that these guys could be bought. You know, and that's exactly what's happening. Now, I'm reading a book right now called On the Run by a lady named Alice Goffman. Well, kids are trained when you see the cops run. I mean, this is not a neighborhood watch. So there it is. Thanks for taking my call, Brett. Thanks, Morris. Well done. I couldn't even get in there to interrupt him, man. He's good. Thank you, Morris. I appreciate that call. Uh, All right. I think we are just about out of time. Sorry about that. Uh, We will be back. uh, Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Uh, at least if you download our uh, podcast over at kpfk.org or if you're listening on one of our other uh, radio affiliates like Radio Sputnik, Radio or Not, Progressive Voices, so on and so forth, uh, we are now five days a week, as I said. And anytime you miss any portion of our program, you can uh, stop by bradblog.com, download the whole program there, or here's something you can do. Go out to iTunes, subscribe to the broadcast. You may have to actually look up Brad Friedman, not broadcast, because it looks like broadcast or something. Look for Brad Friedman, find us, subscribe, and give us a good review, because uh, then that will help other people find both the broadcast and the Green News Report. So thanks in advance for doing that. My thanks, as always, to our producer, Desi Doyen. To our soundboard operator, Buzz, today. Thank you, Buzz. To booking goddess Cynthia Cohn. Thank you. Uh, and uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, because tomorrow, oh, we got the uh, we got Alan Grayson tomorrow on the show. Oh, yeah, you're not going to want to miss that either. Until we meet again, you can find me on the Twitters at the Bradblog and, of course, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.